So here in Canada, it is what? It's now July 5th. We just celebrated our national holiday, Canada Day. So we thought maybe we'd go with a little Canadian horror from the master, David Cronenberg. We're going with 1983's Videodrome. The world can feel like a pretty hopeless place nowadays. There are about a billion problems in the world, but yet it feels like no one's willing to talk about them. So that's why you should go listen to my new podcast, A Modern Proposal. My name is Parker James, and I'm going to share with you the world's worst problems and some even worse solutions with a guest that's coming in completely cold. You can find A Modern Proposal wherever you get your pods casted. Listen, follow, and be sad. Stoner Chicks. We're four friends who met through comedy and bonded through weed. I'm Grace Penzel. I'm Kayla Teal. I'm Stephanie Thompson. I'm Phoebe Richards. If you love smoking weed and laughing with your friends, this podcast is for you. Weekly episodes will drop on Fridays starting April 2nd, so subscribe now to Stoner Chicks wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to your favorite podcatcher soon. All right, welcome to the Nostalgia Junk Podcast. Oh, we're going deep tonight, baby. This is the this is. I mean, leave it to Videodrome and David Cronenberg to make us just go completely, you know, into our subconscious. <laughs> Let's get into our episode on Videodrome and do a little bit of a backstory on David Cronenberg. Cronenberg frequented Toronto cinemas almost on a weekly basis and was instantly captivated by film. He has stated that he was traumatized by Bambi, Dumbo, and particularly disturbed by Blue Lagoon. Coincidentally, all of these films dealt with children being separated from their mothers. Despite being disturbed by these films, he still speaks highly of those early Disney and similar children's films as they challenge and entertain the viewer. It wasn't until Cronenberg started attending screenings at the Studio Theatre on College Street, which is located in a region of Toronto affectionately known as Little Italy, that he realized that films are not just for children's amusement, but can be an extremely powerful art form. And because he saw grown-ups leaving the studio theater weeping after a viewing of La Strada, Cronenberg started studying the works of early directors like Fellini, Antonioni, and Bergman. Since Canada did not have a film industry at the time per se, unlike LA for example, Canada only had dramas produced by CBC Television and documentaries produced by the National Film Board of Canada. So, by default, films were made somewhere else, not in Canada. By the time Cronenberg was pursuing filmmaking, there really wasn't a conventional film school in Toronto. But Cronenberg has gone on to say that watching films is truly how you learn to make them. He's also, I think, I would say just one of Canada's best filmmakers ever one of our finest and he's still going you know just one of the greats um obviously he's rooted kind of in science fiction although some of his films have strayed yes but he can go with in so many different directions and come up with so many crazy ideas now this crazy sci-fi horror landscape that you speak of has been dubbed as body horror Cronenberg is hugely instrumental in the stylation of this horror subgenre as it plays off the gruesome effects of illness and disease combined with the humanity's dependence on technology and or consumption only to present a philosophical dilemma to the viewer by the ending of the film. Needless to say, Cronenberg's movies are unconventional, but so is the reality of reality. Whatever. 
whatever appears on the television screen emerges as raw experience for those who watch it. Therefore, television is reality, and reality is less than television. The origins of the term body horror come from the 1983 article written by Philip Brophy titled Horality, the Textuality of the Contemporary Horror Film. Brophy states that John Carpenter's The Thing takes the wheel from Ridley Scott's Alien and expounds upon the chestburster scene by extending the notion of a parasitic life form that consumes all living entities only for its survival. The Thing is not concerned with the human condition, nor is it conscious of of the perceptions or beliefs of what it is to be human. It just feasts. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that body horror, uh, just, you know, reading about it and kind of going through it again and and movies that maybe on the surface before I wouldn't necessarily call body horror, but because it just deals with like the disintegration, the violation of just kind of your physical body, like a horror film, like Eli Roth's cabin fever could be a body horror in that it deals with infection and, the, the person slowly starts to wither away in this cabin. You know what I mean? Um, yep. So it's a label that was put on Cronenberg's work that may or may not be what he wanted, but it, I know. Cause he was just doing what he, right. You know, it, all he was just in that direction. That's just where he wanted to go. Not necessarily think where. of tools, music videos. Yeah, exactly. That's body horror. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. That's sober video. Yeah. Like the weird, um, the, the pipeline, the pipe with the like muscles running through it or something. Gross. It's so gross. Yeah. Yeah. And also, very much what we're about to go into and discuss, yep. the horror of Videodrome and that concept of, um, you know, not even what is real, but, like, what shapes your reality. And in, in Videodrome's case, you know, technology and media ultimately starts to shape Max Wren's reality, you know? So this movie came out in 1983. Crazy. It's now 2020. Yeah. We're still talking about overstimulation through media. The, one of the main concepts of the movie is the media turns into an extension of the body, almost like an extension of our perception of reality. And, you know, you see those people kind of just like glued to their phones constantly. In, in a certain way, they're only existing with this fake reality that exists in that little screen. How many times have you seen Videodrome now? I can't even, I don't even know. I don't know. I'd probably say maybe 10. Yep. This might be my 10th. I don't know. Definitely a movie that rewards the viewer with repeated viewings in just like, you know, it's a little too heady to be deciphered maybe upon first viewing. It just, it goes so many weird places. Yeah. If this is up your alley, movies like this, the first viewing is what takes your breath away and then you're thirsting for more. Mm-hmm. And usually you you watch it the second time, close to the first time. Civic TV. So, Civic TV. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like a similar Toronto television station? I don't know. City TV. Oh. I know. I want that on a t-shirt. I saw it already online. Really? <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like, this is very RoboCop. Yeah, exactly. You're right. And and I like kind of how this is, you know, this is your Alexa. This is your Siri. We have, you know, his it's his physical, real personal assistant kind of 
going over his schedule for the day, but it's like he's in, he's in bed and. What's interesting? She drops these tapes off the day before. Yeah, that's weird. She's a good assistant. Like there, there can't be a deviation from the schedule. Like, is he still asleep right now? Is he just like he hasn't hit snooze yet? Deborah Harry as Nikki. Is this the only movie she acted in? Okay, look at that. I am shocked by by her filmography. So I was way off. Debbie Harry. She started acting in 1975, Deadly Hero. I mean, a lot of these movies, to be fair, I've never... Uh, Hairspray, I've heard. Oh, yeah. Tales from the... Oh, yeah, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. That was a cool one. Remember, she was like the, the witch. I haven't seen that. Not the witch, but... I haven't seen that. Oh, she was in Body Bags. Rick Ooh, Baker. Rick Baker. American Werewolf in London. Classic. Probably, I guess, most famous. I mean, Although the- he did do... Uh, I guess it's a little more subdued special effects. The ending of Taxi Driver is always kind of stuck with me. Howard Shore. Then I like I like when a director kind of sticks with a team. You know, yeah. he's like, um, I don't think I, the, the director of photography wasn't Peter Shuzisky, but um, yeah, Howard Shore has definitely played a large part in all of Cronenberg's films over the years. I like Canadian movies that are actually set in uh, a Canadian city. Yeah. Um, Toronto famously always kind of a stand-in for like downtown LA and you know they never a lot of movies just aren't set in Toronto Ontario no and like what is this is he like he's like black market dealing like smut porn films well yeah like he's he's after some shocking he's always looking for the most extreme stuff and these guys which is the commentary of Videodrome in itself is that we can't get enough yeah. of whatever is enough. I mean, that even speaks to, I don't know about you, I would think it would speak to you in the same way, but for me, you know, I'm kind of that same way, especially as a horror fan, you're always looking for the next... It's a um, high. It is, yeah, it's it, weird. Uh, you know, same exists in extreme music, you know, like, there, there's always this evolution or de-evolution, however you like to say. Oh, I always okay, like this, this wooden dildo. Yeah, that's I don't like know, a man. geisha, weird geisha doll. It looks. It doesn't Do you have much experience with wooden dildos? I mean, I have zero experience. Okay, with wooden dildos. I, I just. You know what I worry about? Splinters. Well, I mean, I would, I would hope it'd be nice and polished up. Yeah. Now, would you use a soft wood? <laughs> no, it'd have to be hard. Come on, man. A Canadian hardwood. <laughs> hard a maple. Big, a big spruce. A big spruce. <laughs> Yes. Really? If, I, if I ever get a, a Canadian hardwood dildo, I'm going to name her Big Spruce. I thought I was gonna, you were going to call it Videodrome. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these guys are so bored with this boring ass samurai soft, this is what, softcore this is porn. This what happens. I know. It's like, it's no, remember, you're you no re- longer watching it for the entertainment value. You're, you're watching it on its, and you're like grading it on its merits of like what it can do for you and your business, you know. And potentially on its extremities. So you could be watching true torture and you question whether or not it's entertaining enough. So you could have a doctored one or a real one. And at the end of the day, they're trying to decide, hmm, I don't know. Did it look fun? Mm. See? Yeah. Soft again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get it. (laughs) More ways than one. Downtown Toronto. I love Toronto. So Don't do get me I. wrong. I like Toronto, Toronto is a great time, uh, and that goes to anyone, anywhere in North America. You know, you could go to New York, Boston. Everyone has their own vibe, but Toronto to us Canadians 
definitely is the big city it is well, for I mean, you is. to go to without feeling like you've left Canada. Yeah, for sure. And like Montreal, while that is a big city, yeah, like there's always, there's something very Montreal's also got like a small town heart and its little neighborhoods and its quirkiness kind of thing. Most but yeah, Toronto like. down like Toronto is just like the city, you know. Like Toronto's aware of its size. Yeah. I when I went to Rome, there's a place that knows its size and knows that you're only there to spend your money. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so that's the first little creepy thing. It's like a, um, you know, the weird signal, the video feed they found was like it was like coming from Malaysia, but it wasn't really where it's coming from. They don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. And here we get the first view, and I don't yeah. know. There's something so creepy and so disturbing about grainy image, and yeah, obviously they're just, you know, it looks like a snuff film. It definitely does. Do you know what the, the, this also reminds me of is uh, that movie uh, 8mm. I was going to say, it's along those lines where it's like an investigation, a, de- a detective story into finding the source and origin of, you know, some disturbing piece of... A definite commentary on desensitization through exposure. Um, so you have... We can assume that he he's never seen anything like this before. He's like all fucked up, you know. The two of them, if you were to do a... A Venn diagram. They're both very desensitized to the imagery to the point where they're like, "This is real. I need to find more of it and mm. even harder stuff." Something I remember from Eight Millimeter: "Come to Daddy" playing on the record player by FX Twin. Man, I, I haven't seen that movie in so long. I don't remember that at all. I'm gonna check that out again. You know, we did a good cover of that Dillinger Escape Plan featuring Mike Patton on vocals. I like Mike Patton. He's aligning our exposure to television and disturbing content by painting a picture of disturbing content through people who are disturbed. So you end up being entertained by exactly the same smut that's being criticized on screen. And just wanted to quickly add this in that. uh, So the basis of this film came from when Cronenberg was a child, like he used to says he used to pick up television signals from Buffalo, New York late at night after like all the Canadian stations had gone off the air. And he was always worried he might see something like super disturbing, you know, not meant for public consumption, but I can identify with that. Like you ever like be up super late and you're just like watching random, even like that, this, the TV signals is something so creepy, like especially late at night. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a part of you that hopes you see something awful. We still do. I like this guy's name, Professor Brian Oblivion. Like, is he an X-Men? Yeah. He's <laughs> like Max Hedrum mixed with um, Professor Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. This movie was all filmed in the late part of 1981. And the first little bit of the filming was dedicated to just this, filming the the POV of monitors. Mm-hmm. Like and it's you're not really not seeing too much gore. It's just the idea of what you're watching makes it super. Hard, well, that's what's scary. Hard to look at it. Yeah. That's what's scary is that, like you said, you're you know looking at the, you know the uh, the static the static stations, maybe hoping to see something come through. What are you going to see? You don't know. And do you really want to see it? Right. I guess you yeah. won't know until you see it. You know, the, this movie may not be of someone else's taste, but a car accident, everyone turns their head. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't, great. You're going to heaven for sure. But 
for anyone that drives by, there's part of you that goes, is everyone okay? I hope I don't see a head. I know. I'm still going to look, though. But you're looking. It's weird that, like, just human, you know, human behavior, you know, we crave, obviously, a lot of things. But isn't it strange that, like, violence and kind of, I don't know, there's, like, what's the term? Morbid curiosity is, like, a real thing, you know? It's just a strange part of human human brain you know that's really interesting that it's called morbid curiosity it's not critiquing the morbidity in which we are viewing it's that you have the problem not that there's a problem out there but is is that even saying it's a problem though no it's not i wouldn't yeah no i don't think so. see morbidity and what's good what's bad that's all subjective is this a good movie is this a bad movie well someone might view this movie as saying it's neither it's something that's important to study from Mm mm-hmm I know that murder is bad, like, on the further surface. doesn't mean I'm not interested in them. I guess that's kind of... Yeah. Well, that's part of the hook of horror and Mm. uh, alternate kind of realities and that morbid curiosity is that you get to exercise those demons in those moments. Now, you may not have impulses, Mm -hmm. but you don't need them to experience... A reality that's not going to present itself to you necessarily within your living awareness. So death is going to happen to all of us. That's yeah. for sure. But when you listen to death metal and they talk about death, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. That actually could be more of a celebration. I'm just trying to understand it. you know. Yeah, it's another way to uh, appreciate it. It's exposure. And some might say a desensitization of death. So it normalizes it. It's no longer a mystery. It's no longer uh, an unknown. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, and right now we're watching a transmission of a signal that's coming in, which is essentially a snuff film. You don't know where this is going to end up. This mm-hmm. is torture at this point. But there's part of you that's wondering how far can they go with someone before she gives up? Mm-hmm. That's what they're viewing. She asked to watch some porno, and this is what was put on. But so, she's like kind of into it. You know? But she's into it. So that also says porno doesn't have to be your typical, you know, probably majority what people consider porn is. I mean, what's happening right here in front of the TV is more pornographic to some people than what's happening on TV. What's happening on TV is more confusing to some. Yeah. Maybe because only because like sex is very, un, you, you know, we know what sex is, but we don't know what's happening on a video drone. You know, it's right. like, what the wow. hell are we watching? But we know what we're watching with sex. But then, yeah, you'd consider that more graphic because it's, you know, two naked bodies. That's interesting, too. This scene actually normalizes nudity. Mm. Makes by- makes nudity and sex, like, seem tame or, or like, right. very acceptable. Normal. Yeah, yeah. Because you- Videodrome is not normal. And honestly, if you're watching Videodrome for some arousal, this scene between Debbie Harry and you know, old Jimmy Woods, yeah. And she's turned out to be way more depraved than she initially let on in that TV interview. She was like, she was saying um, violence for stimulation and the like, I guess, is bad. But she's so, she's into that. Look at her. Ew, the sound of them kissing. I know, it's very, very moist. It had to have been on purpose. That couldn't have been actually their lips, do you think? It's very like... It's very synthetic. It's like a leech or something. Oh, yeah, this is... Okay, I'm going to go and say it right now. This is my favorite shot in the movie. Yes. They're both thinking this right now, you know, in their heads. Yeah. They 
they, you know, Videodrome was just on the TV, but they're thinking of it while they're having sex with each other because it's so crazy and extreme. Yeah, like the torture room, like making out in the torture room, having sex in the torture room. We don't know if people even die in this room yet. Yeah, that's true. Like what happens to these people? We don't know if it's a set. We don't know if it's real. We don't know anything yet. But the yeah. idea of it is what's so arousing to them. What's well, kind of arousing? Does that, what is that, what does that say about me? He's like, I just got laid last night in, in a torture room. I pierced a girl's ears. <laughs> what did you do last night? That's the, uh, that's the exact same background that is used in all of his uh, video wake-ups. So she records that right at her desk. And like, yeah, what she... Re- Whoa! I know, that was just blatant sexual harassment. Yeah, that's, I guess, the workplace in the 80s. Or was it? Is I don't it, know. Is it? I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. But like, he's questing after sensational exploitation. He's bridging that gap in normalizing... Uh, or creating a separation between what is considered pedestrian pornography and which is extreme. And he's also saying something too about because what they were just watching was a porn, but it was rooted in happiness. It was like this Greek, you know, they're frolicking and they're just laughing and yeah. they're you know sex is as a, a joyous thing. But like right. now he's like into the sex is almost like a deviant, disturbing act kind yes. of mindset. Yeah. Which is also commentary on how we behave in North America with sex and movies. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of us that have grown up thinking that you're not supposed to watch movies that depict sex as enjoyment or, you know, something that people do outside of wedlock mm. or be more than just kissing. I think movies like this help other directors say, yeah, it's okay now because he's already made this movie. It's been criticized. It's been yeah. It was a it was a bomb at, at its release. Right. It only made like two million off of like six million budget or something. Sure. Like, and this was like his, I think his first kind of big budget ish high profile movie. Yeah. So it kind of sucks that it didn't go that way for him. But it, I mean, it's just such an out there movie. Mainstream audiences are not, especially imagine nineteen eighty three watching yeah, Videodrome. No. It's like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> He was working nearly for a year on a version of Total Recall, in which you just kind of referenced Paul Verhoeven and yes. Robocop, but experienced creative differences. Who knows what Cronenberg's Total Recall would have been like? Like, how much work did he get done in one year? I don't know. And where is that? I know. Now, I love Total Recall, but I would love to see a Cronenberg Total Recall. Yeah. You know what's interesting here? So now he's telling someone who shares his mutual morbid curiosity saying not to pursue it and just remain a viewer. She's saying that she wants to go and participate because she is going away on business in Pittsburgh and she wants to try out for Videodrome. Oh, yeah, because they ended up tracking it down to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, not Malaysia. So they still don't know. They still assume everything ends in death. I know, and he's just scared that it actually is real, but she just wants to find out for herself. Because what else are you going to do with a cigarette? Right. I thought you were just going to smoke it, but that's cool. <laughs> He's like, God damn it. <laughs> so it's interesting, too, like the facade that at this point, um, James Woods puts on is like he's the he wants the hard stuff. He really but but he's still not even ready for it at this point. Like he he's can't not. even he can't even stand watching her put a cigarette butt out on, on her on her breasts. He is the moral compass. Mm. With morbid curiosity, which is there's a line at some point where you say, "Okay, that's enough. Mm -hmm. 
but she is the person that will always forever actually yeah. actually be the flame for morbid curiosity continue to push yeah this is a weird relationship yeah so what's she just like her his uh softcore porn dealer for i guess many years who knows his confidant yeah isn't that that's a weird line he stayed up late watching TV, but his date was putting out cigarette butts on herself. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that that's that's really interesting too? Yeah, because that's he. The he's, he's trying to compartmentalize it by saying I was just watching TV because that's the only way I can understand what I just did. Right. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. So anything we watch on TV is just watching TV. Yeah. But you what can brush you, it off. That's yeah. right. And that's all you need to know. As someone who is excited about that kind of content, mm-hmm. is being told that it is real. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Well, now I'm trying to like wrap my head around what are they talking about? About philosophy, like video drums philosophy, the blending of media and reality into one or something. I'm trying yes. to like just. It's such a crazy. Concept. I wonder if it has has something like you said. So okay, so let's let's take what you started there. It's the quest for what's next. Mm. Is Videodrome's philosophy, if this is what lured you in, where does it end? And how far will you go? And almost like, is Videodrome real? Well, maybe it doesn't matter, If but if you think it's real, that's what matters. You know? Yeah. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> I love how he, when he tells them that, and Jerry immediately goes, "I got it. I like, got it. I understand. It's yeah. not a lie if you believe that's, it." That's 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 a Costanza philosophy. George could definitely pass a lie detector test, right? I think personally, Videodrome, although could be interpreted as anything you want, Videodrome the movie is Videodrome. Mm-hmm. What we are watching is Videodrome is the same thing he's lusting after. We're also being desensitized through this thought of quest of media to consume us. So this is almost like the stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it eating you or are you eating it? Mm. Right? Are you the consumer of media or does it consume you only for you to consume it? So how far does it need to be pushed before you are satiated? Well, that's pretty heady. <laughs> but really, I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about extremes. We're talking about borderline pornography, but we're talking uh, ultimately torture. That's what he's after. Yeah, violence as joyful entertainment. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this guy's watching open heart surgery. And he, he's smiling about it. Yeah, and this is such a weird scene, too. It's like, like a this homeless shelter that's... Yes, a shelter, yeah. You know, where they they can seek shelter and what are they and how do they seek shelter? Look, every one of these cubicles seems to have a TV. Right. It's It's almost like the, you know, the future of uh, depicted in like a movie like Brazil. um, Yes. Which is just like where people always have a TV screen like three inches from their face. You know, it's kind of the. This is not too far removed from the concept of uh, carpenters. They live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. James Woods has the glasses on the entirety of the movie. Mm hmm. Now instead well, of video, yeah, it. Videodrome is the is the glasses that was put on his head. Yeah, that's yes. true. And everyone else is still kind of just living normal, right. trying to live their normal lives. But he's uh, thrust into this new way of thinking. Also, here's another takeaway: How far does the content of what Videodrome 
presents to the world before the world absorbs Videodrome's uh, shocking content and considers it a new norm. You know, when you see shocking horror movies, usually the first shocking of whatever the new norm is becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. So now it's no longer shocking. It's now mainstream. Well, I think, I mean, and we'll talk about it later, but I think that's kind of what the end of this movie tells Most us. certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, are they watching Betamax tapes in this? Looks like a Betamax. Yeah, just that one. Did you have one? That one wheel. I never had Betamax. No, I only neither. had VHS. That I remember. I mean, you know, I can probably think as far back as being four or five, maybe the at the most. Yeah, I loved it. Sonia Smith, Bianca Oblivion. So wait, wait here we she, go. She's a Canadian actress. Yes, just a Canadian, Canadian actress that one of those actresses you've seen all your life. Well, Canadians maybe have seen, um, but, you know, never really broke out into too too much crazy fame. Yeah, Street Legal. I think Street Legal. That's where I mostly know her from. Start the day well on grapefruit. I wonder if that has any significance to his day every day. Ew. Does he have grapefruit Man, every day? We, I know you don't like grapefruit. We talked about grapefruit yes, before. Yes, we have. That's totally. Yeah. You asked me if I liked grapefruit, and I said, I do not like grapefruit. I like grapefruit flavor things. You were still repulsed. <laughs> I was. <laughs> yep. Now, here she is dropping off her cassettes for tomorrow's uh, wake up. Now, this is a very interesting interaction here. Oh, yeah. This is where the reality and fantasy start mixing. There you go. It's like Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Um, that's what he wanted to do in that moment. But did he really do it? No, he didn't. But that's, into his in his mind, he actually smacked her a couple times. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what's that's what's scary about this concept is that how far does media influence your life? Yeah, and alter your perception of reality. Yeah, is that a big magic eye? Remember those magic eye yeah. paintings? Brian sent him something. I bet you that is scandalous at best. <laughs> Remember those clamshell VHS cases? Oh, dude, those are the best. Even though that's a Betamax. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. The weird tape that's breathing. Yeah. Such a cool effect. This this whole next scene is incredible. Yeah, kudos to Baker for all the effects that he did in this. Remember that weird image in the background? Is that Hitler as a ballerina? Yeah. Oh. On on skis? Skates? No, stilts? The battle for the mind of North America will be fought in the video arena. The video drone. The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Therefore, whatever appears on the television screen emerges as raw experience for those who watch it. Therefore, television is reality, and reality is less than television. Max, I'm so glad you came to me. I've been through it all myself, you see. Your reality is already half video hallucination. If you're not careful, it will become total hallucination. You'll have to learn to live in a very strange new world. I had a brain tumor. And I had visions. I believe the visions caused the tumor and not the reverse. I could feel the visions coalesce 
and become flesh. Uncontrollable flesh. But when they removed the tumor, it was called Videodrome. I was an I. I was Videodrome's first victim. But who's behind it? What do they want? What's. Oh, yeah. So here he's saying that. Yeah, like media that's where i mean that's what people are kind of like living in you know yes and it's up to the the makers of the media are ultimately going to be the ones to take over the minds of the population yeah what's also disturbing is that you and i are watching this film right now as viewers but what cronenberg is doing is showing us the exact same disturbing content that the participants in the movie are watching, which forces you to align yourself with these disturbed individuals. Again, Videodrome the movie in itself is Videodrome. Videodrome. Jesus Christ. It's a creepy concept too, like but the more that you watch this kind of content where it tells you that it wants you. Mm-hmm. It's a drug, you know. It is a drug. It's a high. <laughs> this is such a cool movie, man. I mean, very fitting too that they're making, you know, the TV like these succulent full red female lips like mm-hmm. enticing you to come, you know, yeah. especially to someone like him. This is him. This is all that's left. What are you talking about? Brian Oblivion died quietly on an operating table 11 months ago. The brain problem? The videodrome problem. You have it too. But he was on that panel show with me. On tape. He made thousands of them, sometimes three or four a day. I keep him alive as best I can. He had so much to offer. My father helped to create videodrome. He saw his next phase in the evolution of man as a technological animal. When he realized what his partners were going to use it for, he tried to take it away from them. And they killed him. Quietly. At the end, he was convinced that public life on television was more real than private life in the flesh. He wasn't afraid to let his body die. Tell me about my video drone problem. My father knows much more about it than I do. Listen to him. That takes that takes a real talent to be just like, I'm going to choose this tape for this interview, and it's going to go seamlessly and seem like you know he's a real person. It's uh, it's also kind of kind of plays into the reality that exists within this film, which is that media can yeah absorb you and also and predict you. Yeah, and at any time, like you know, we're watching things on TV or we're, even something as simple as man, check out this person that freaked out and, like, pulled a gun on somebody. Isn't the person with the gun crazy? And you watch the the clip and the small clip, and you're like, wow, wow, she is deranged. But what we don't know is that maybe in a longer clip, in reality, she was attacked or something. Like, media almost plays into that fact that we never really know what we're watching. 
fake news. Yeah, exactly. It's just fake news. And that's and someone like Donald Trump can get away yep. with just using that as an excuse and brushing it off. I believe that the growth in my head, this head, this one, right here, I think that it is not really a tumor. Not an uncontrolled, undirected little bubbling pot of flesh, but that it is, in fact, a new organ, a new part of the brain. I think that massive doses of videodrome signal will ultimately create a new outgrowth of the human brain, which will produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? <laughs> you can see that, can't you? Oh, look at that uh, odd is, scar know, this, developing on his stomach. Wearing suspenders? Or is that a gun holster? That's a, that's a holster. Okay. Watching TV with a gun really makes me feel more comfortable. <laughs> oh, so. Ew. Mr. Woods. Such a cool effect. Yeah. I'm just going to save this for later. I almost like now we're kind of going into the, the thinking of when like virtual and reality meld. Now you can make your own perception of reality. Now he is like gone full videodrome in a way like he's. Yes. You know, he's he's broken that barrier of the hallucination um, hallucination are. versus reality. Yeah. And it's like, shit, I did I really put that in my belly? And it's like, I don't know if I did. Uh, but more importantly, did my belly just become a vagina? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. You know, like, yes, we're watching a Cronenberg movie. That statement alone comes with <laughs> yeah. with a lot of baggage. But and not in a bad way. It's just, you know, you're about to watch something that's got some heavy, heavy content. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a nice instance, I guess, of like pure body horror. Yeah. Um, what let's go into maybe what are your favorite or like what body horror mo- movies can you think of? Like, that you know, stand out to you without mentioning other Cronenbergs. It's very difficult, I know, you know, but um, uh, the blob. Oh, is yeah. One. Uh, the fly. Yeah. Uh, if we could consider RoboCop one, I'd also like to say that because definitely it, some there's definitely body trauma. Well, yes, and I do think there is a body horror element where it's the concept of body horror, which is you treat police officers as robots in society. You just assume they're going to operate twenty four seven to risk life and limb. Just the mechanization of um, law enforcement. That's true. Yeah. So, does body horror necessarily always have to have a biomechanical uh, affiliation, or does it just have to be something shocking via the body? Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, what? That's a good question. Like, because yeah, violence, extreme gore, and stuff has always existed, but it's maybe not necessarily body horror. Um, when I think of body horror, I think of like what we were talking about where it's like the idea and the depiction of the disintegration or like one that comes to mind to me is, uh, have you ever seen starry eyes? No. From 2014, I think it's, for, it's starring 
Uh, her name's Alex Esso. It's a it's a kind of a riffish on Rosemary's Baby, in which there's a um, struggling and aspiring actress in Hollywood. She wants to do whatever it takes to become famous, so she ends up kind of selling her soul to this demon devil thing that runs a movie studio. But in order for her to truly transform into the perfect movie star, her body has to die. So, like, the second half of the movie is literally her, dis- like, she just starts to get sick, and then she gets sicker, and then her body starts flaking, and her skin starts coming off, and her hair falls out, and her teeth fall out. Like, it's crazy. And then, But then she transforms, and she gets resurrected as this, like, right. you know, beautiful goddess. Yeah. There's, um... Yeah, I think body horror could truly lend itself to more of a it doesn't have to be a literal mm. body horror, but more of a concept. Yeah. And another one that I'd actually give credit to is uh Neon Demon. Oh, I never saw that one, yeah. So, you know, it's it's again, it's about consumption, the value of humanity. Mm-hmm. Those glasses look like they're on upside down. Yeah, they're they're dynamite for sure. This again playing into the whole they live. In concept in a way where sure. this guy Barry Convex he's you know the villain kind of gonna be the villain of the movie mm-hmm. um, anybody owns like an optometry or like a optics company yes. and so How he, convenient. he's gonna he represents so Videodrome as a concept is that you know we kind of make our own reality with and we kind of make our own decisions in what we watch and so this guy's I, I think the idea of him is like the ultimate like corporate like the the entities trying to control that function control how you see Videodrome so yes we have Videodrome now but but I'm the rich guy that's going to try to like alter how or or control how you see it and how you consume it right another body horror then for me is stealing from the same year 1983 is the ending to Sleepaway Camp, is finding out that the horror is the body, like the biological. So, yes, maybe that might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think the concepts are still there. That's a virtual reality headset in 1983. (laughs) Just hallucinate. No big deal. Yeah, I'll leave you to it. So he's the pusher. That's amazing. You can't even freaking handle his... Yeah, he, he... he never, you know, he can't handle his own supply. He's not like, you know, enlightened. So, I guess he, you know, he can't even watch violent stuff. But yet he's the one that's going to try to control how everybody else watches violent stuff. It's almost like, have you ever done a sensory deprivation tank? No, I've never done I that. I kind of want to. They say, yeah, I mean, it's probably kind of like what he's going. You know, you hallucinate. You're, you can't hear. You can't see. So is Nikki real? Your brain takes over. That's an interesting thing too. I mean, some. I mean, did he how, meet her how, for real on the set at the TV show? That's sort of, and then the rest of it is hallucinated. Maybe that's a that's an amazing idea that I never ever thought of. I always assumed at least the scene where they have sex is real, and maybe that's what drove his obsession and also pushed him over the edge into, you know, where he's at right now. But that is interesting. How maybe she did reject him in the TV interview and he never got to go on a date with her, but she was so alluring to him. And just the idea of her was so, you know, maybe he developed an obsession. Yeah. I mean, that's not too far of a stretch compared to what we're seeing right now. It's true. Now, when you, if you watch a screen, it's no longer Nikki. 
This is such a this. Oh yeah, this is so crazy, man. What's this movie so whacked? You know what's also kind of creepy is that wall is clay, mm. past the mold of victims. You can was, see their claw marks. Yeah. Doesn't does did did they say it had something to do with electricity though? Does it conduct electricity? Yes. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's still interesting that like yeah, just scratch marks. Again, like I would say from about like ten to twenty minutes ago, like can we even believe anything we're seeing right now? He's just gone completely insane. His his dream state and his real state is just completely shot. Like he doesn't even know. He can't decipher between the two. To expose you to the video drum signal. It didn't affect you because you never watched it. You knew it was there. You didn't have to see it. It really does work on just about anybody. Anybody who watches it, Max. But why would anybody watch it? Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. Sure. What about the other reasons? Why deny you get your kicks out of watching torture and murder? You murdered Brian Oblivion, didn't you, you freak? Did you enjoy that? North America is getting soft, Patron. And the rest of the world is getting tough. Very, very tough. We're entering savage new times. And we're going to have to be pure and direct and strong if we're going to survive them. Now you and this uh, cesspool, you call a television station, and uh, your people who wallow around in it and uh, your viewers who watch you do it, they're rotting us away from the inside we intend to stop that rock suggesting almost suggesting that videodrome is a mind state like it was never actually a um video transmission or a show or anything it was almost like you know when your mind becomes too liberated ultimately some like organization or corporateness is going to try to control it maybe the guy's just a piece of shit there was no video drone last night and he goes no there was no video drone last night there was like not ever there was never any video drone transmission almost the it's the the video drone is the idea of the freeing of the mind of the, of the person's mind like i don't know independent of the media that's being pushed on you or right. something. Yeah. Your freedom of thought. And ultimately there's going to be an, an entity that's going to try to control that thought. Sure. And that's, what's interesting. He said, why would anyone watch that? We're watching this movie about that. Yeah. Why would anyone watch that? I don't know, but I like, why does anybody do any, like, you know, yes. that's just the freedom of the human yeah. condition. Yes. Yeah. They're just like, remember in the 80s or was it the eighties or was it the nineties when, you know, just the like Tipper Gore and like politicians came down on things like gangster rap and death yeah. metal. It's like yeah. we're entering crazy new times, man. This is just this messaging is too and yeah. it's too 
extreme for the yeah. the the public to consume. Yes, you know, You're right. We can't have that, right? Well, that's what I, right before you said that I was thinking. Okay, so now Cronenberg is confronting the concept of censorship, and we've been confused by what we're feeling and how how we're feeling about that. So now people are existing as if it never existed. Uh, Fantastic I always, practical I love, effects. Also, a, just a fan, like a tiny piece of acting from James Woods, but I love how he set, like, it's not just going, he goes, oh my God. Like he really, it's, you know what I mean? Not even prepared for it. Nice little bit of acting. I always thought. Yeah. It's subtle. Yeah. I, I th- th- That's the making of anyone who can sell anything. An actor, a wrestler, mm-hmm. you know, the, it's it's the selling that makes, that suspends the disbelief. Mm-hmm. Also, yes, you're right, like a seamless piece of special effects. Like, I don't even understand how that, it looked like he was just standing there. Even the scene on the couch, like, I understand he's probably ha- leaning over and then there's this fake body hanging from him. But at the same time, it just looks so good. Mm-hmm. It looks so real. It probably helps that he's, you know, like 90 pounds, but he does look pretty tiny. So the gun, now that I'm thinking, man, we're going, we're going deep into video drone right now. That's good. I'm actually like, just like, here. look at this. Effect. I know this is like, oh. what's this? Like Tetsuo, the Iron Man. That's yeah. actually an early body horror kind of weird go. movie. It's like yeah. a, like a purely mechanical science fictiony. But yeah, look at this. This is Ugh. crazy. It's so gross. Um, But now I'm thinking the gun represents his free will purely his um you know he's being liberated in his own mind of what he can consume and what he's interested in blah blah blah, blah. the corporate chill or corporate entity is now like tried to render that like not use well useless kind of but try to control it and so he's just like this is him being like holding strong onto his idea of i'm yeah. my i'm my own person i can make my own decisions yes he is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. This is wild. It was pretty gross, though. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's walking into a room with that kind of stare on their face. Like, you might want to... What the fuck, man? Yeah. Brutal. What? Um. <laughs> that is that is denial if I've ever yeah, heard Yeah, that's 100% it. the opposite. She literally though. walks in a millisecond after the last gunshot goes off, and she's like... It Are could, you okay? It couldn't have been Max that did that. This is definitely the deepest I've ever gone into video drill. Because, you know, when you go to see a movie, you're not allowed to talk. Like, no, you you shouldn't. Honestly, not even that you're not allowed. You just shouldn't. If you're in a movie, I mean, if you're in a movie theater, just like, you know, give yourself yeah. to the movie. But, um, you know, it's cool that we have avenues and like like this to kind of, you know, we've seen this movie a couple of times. We're allowed to talk about it. Basically, like we can decide how we want to think how we want to view, how we want to think about what we view. It's like any news article or like even what I was talking about, the little clips that if someone shows you something and tells you that's what it is, like, oh, that's the be all end all. Well, maybe not. You know what I mean? We don't have to believe. We're no longer, we don't no longer have to believe everything we're told. We don't have to be followers. Yeah. And we also don't have to be ashamed to like violent imagery. And then again, too, does violent imagery only have to exist within... Uh, synthetic film like fiction there's violent imagery every day on the news 
and that's absorbed by audiences by saying that it's real and that's awful and an atrocity to humanity. Yeah, and that's but like, when you and I watch a very violent horror movie, someone goes, "I don't know how you watch that stuff." Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, if nothing else, I'm able to digest more of what you're watching on the regular news as something I've experienced through fantasy. When he was hunting down Bianca Oblivion, mm-hmm. was that an allegory for when the mainstream gets a hold of extreme media, normalizes it, and tries to go after it at the same time? Mm-hmm. So he had the biomechanical handgun, as it were. It became one and the same with him. And he was after Bianca Oblivion only to discover that Videodrome created the hallucination of Nikki Brand all along. Mm. It's always been trying to push you to the limit. You're almost, yeah, and it's like people are, yeah, you're you're trying to exploit the fact that people are going to go after it anyways. But that's maybe, but ultimately, no matter what you do, like people are going to go after it anyway. It's the appeal of it. You know, it's, it's when I was a kid, you know, and I was listening to Marilyn Manson's Antichrist Superstar. I was told I shouldn't listen to it. Mm. Well, that was part of why I was listening to it. That's true. Aesthetically, I just really enjoyed the sound of it. I really enjoyed it. it and was- that's but that and, and so and I think I was just thinking of something. So you just like touched on it. It's like, yeah, you went towards it because people people said you shouldn't, but you were going to listen to it anyways. That's like my mom encouraged me to drum and listen to Metallica and Slayer because that's what I was going to listen to anyways. No one had to tell me that it was wrong to do it. I was just going to go to it anyways. Like, so it's almost like however much things or organizations or media, they try to push you in a direction. Ultimately you're going to go in. I think you're going to go in that direction anyway. Yeah. Now that was an interesting scene. So he no longer had a video cassette. Really? He had, a piece of flesh that appeared as media as opposed to media that was living. So all along we've been seeing this form of Betamax that had been breathing as if it was its own entity. But that scene, he had a, had a piece of media that actually looked like it was living tissue Mm. as opposed to the other way around. He fed it to James Woods and it took a piece out of him. Yeah. It skinned him. Rejected he died. Him. It rejected him. That's right. So now we're now we're faced. So we've gone from the consumption and curiosity to exposure and censorship. Now we are back to you think that's bad? I'm already I'm already infected by the plague that you've given me. Yeah. You can't stop it. You cannot stop this. Uh interesting now we're at like the um, the conference, like the very, you know, the the finale of the film. Notice like all this, it almost looks like a church, like a congregation. Yes. Like, uh, you know, they're using almost religion, religious values as kind of like <laughs> the setup of this yeah. vibe. Well, gathering. Yeah. Performance. Very fun, very, you know, goodwilled. There is a stained glass element, which also contains the optics logo. But also the uh, the scene earlier when um, Bianco Oblivion is going through the cassettes in the library 
there's stained glass surrounding it. Yes, it's at a shelter, which might have, um, you know. Ooh, a, a, that's interesting that maybe they're using that imagery as almost like a shield. Like, if you look at that from the outside, you're like, oh, it's a church. Like, it's a shelter. It's yeah. a shelter. I'm not, I don't need to worry about that place. That place is what, you know, is everything that's good with the world. So, again, it, it, it's about perception. Yeah. So, is re- it. it not that it's a criticism of religion, but it's using the facade of safety through religion and values and good. That's right, goodness. morality. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's interesting behind him the backdrop. I love that. It's actually the the glasses with stained glass within the glass, mm. and it's his looking uh, through that that those eyes. You're looking that's through. Right. Yeah, you want to. They're making you look through their own eyes. No, you're done. You're, you're done. done, son. Oh yeah, and this is also interesting too. So it's like, yeah, he wasn't, he was never who. That's a great line too. But this guy was never who he said he was. Look underneath, he's just like a boiling pile of pus and ooze and like infection. Dis- yes. Yeah. 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 And that's really the statement of what this guy is all about. Now they based this guy off of a real televangelist, is what Cronenberg uh, apparently did. Um, Jim Baker was the oh, televangelist. Wow, really? Yes. Uh, Jim Baker, yeah. yeah. I can see it. So, you know, again, borrowing from what you said, like the safety in, um, well, okay, let's talk about it from 80s North American religion, um, being Christianity in this case, um, using it as a facade to um, have a hidden agenda as it were um yeah that's that's that whole scene was a part of that was that you know you can use a facade to infect and destroy society through a belief system i mean when you think about too like those evangelical kind of like those football stadiums full of people you know, you can say anything and they'll believe, yeah. but that's, they, they want to believe, right? They want to believe th- th- this is not me saying that Christianity mm-hmm. is bad or any sort of organized religion is despite any belief. What the, what the movie is saying is that you can hide corruption within any form of social safety. Yes. That's already been created. Yeah. I'm here to guide you, Max. I've learned a lot since I last saw you. I've learned that death is not the end. I can help you. I don't know where I am now. I'm having trouble. Finding my way around. That's because you've gone just about as far as you can with the way things are. Videodrome still exists. It's very big, very complex. You've hurt them, but you haven't destroyed them. To do that, you have to go on to the next phase. What phase is that? Your body has already done a lot of changing. But that's only the beginning. The beginning of the new flesh. You have to go all the way now. A total transformation. Do you think you're ready? I guess I am. It's almost like a rejection of everything you've ever been taught. To become the new flesh, you first have to kill the old flesh. Don't be afraid to let your body die. Just now this is interesting. <laughs> come 
Because it's like we've already we've already been told that Nikki was a product of Videodrome and that yep. they constructed it for him. Is this you know? Did they get him to kill himself? Or is he actually liberating himself into the regions of not, right. you know? Well, he's on screen. Are we supposed to be the viewers of the scene, or is he viewing himself? I think right now he's viewing himself. And, like, and yeah, is he being manipulated? Along with the new flesh. I love it. Because now we're the viewers watching him on the screen. I think this is also the first time that we've seen a television not working. (laughs) And now we are Hmm. watching that's what I'm saying. The same footage. So this this ending was actually James Woods's idea. Really? Yeah. Along with the new flesh. And it's cyclical. So we just watched him mm-hmm. do that. Which he watched himself do that. Now are we supposed to do that? Are we liberating ourselves maybe from I mean, I like to think maybe I kind of already have like yeah. I don't I think I'm pretty attuned to what's bullshit and what's not. But first of all, let's give a clap for David Cronenberg and Video Drone. Unreal. What a fucking movie. What a movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's a piece of not only film history, but Canadian film history. Like, that's one of those proud moments. Yeah. Like, if if we're ever going to go into a top Canadian movies ever made, like, for me personally, I'm going to put Video Drone in my top 10. I don't know where in my top 10. Yeah. But Video Drone to me is very, very important. Wow. Cronenberg's a very impressive director to Canadian film culture. And we do have a film culture here. Videodrome is a concept. Yes, in terms of a movie, it is um, supposed to be shocking in its content. But is it truly shocking? Are we living that reality currently now? We are. And we are. Every day we're raising the bar of our own threshold of what is considered acceptable, what's considered shocking. Uh, and you know, unfortunately, playing into the times that we're living in, 2020 has presented a lot of shocking cases. Well, yeah, we're seeing media. I watched the video. I watched a man, yes, with a knee on his neck, take his last breaths yes. as a form of mainstream media that yes. has affected the entire. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's disturbing. It like made me sick to my stomach. Sure, and yeah. I wanted to cry. Yeah, you know, that's very but upsetting. That's a very mainstream. Isn't that insane that that's a mainstream thing that people consume? And there is a, unfortunately, in that relationship of the content being streamed to us as consumers, we might have stumbled across that. We might have gone out of our way to ignore that because we didn't want to see it. But at some point we said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it Also, now. man, holy sh- fucking shit, man. I'm going, this is crazy. Videodrome is crazy because... <laughs> What's happened is the new flesh. <laughs> yeah. In the wake of yes, that, death yes. to fucking Videodrome, death to police brutality, yes. death to the way things are, death to like racism. 
you know? A hundred percent. The world can feel like a pretty hopeless place nowadays. There are about a billion problems in the world, but yet it feels like no one's willing to talk about them. So that's why you should go listen to my new podcast, A Modern Proposal. My name is Parker James, and I'm going to share with you the world's worst problems and some even worse solutions with a guest that's coming in completely cold. You can find A Modern Proposal wherever you get your pods casted. Listen, follow, and be sad. Join Jackie and Danielle, two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees who are re-watching some of their favorite movies from the late 90s and early 2000s on the No More Late Fees podcast. And remember, be kind and rewind. Well. High five. Oh. That was the best. That was, one, got, of the, that was we, one of the we best got discussions. that one. Wow. No, oh, did we ever get through that one? Holy Jeez. shit. Okay, so everybody, thank you so much for listening. This whole, I mean, this whole thing has just been amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, so just keep up with your comments, your questions, uh, what, what movies you want us to go maybe discuss in the future. Anyways, so for Nostalgia Junk Podcast, I'm Cosmet saying, come to me. Come to me. And I'm Matt saying, 